98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. The Kerry Lamb administration reshuffles top officials, but critics say it doesn't tackle underlying problems. Human rights activists call for an independent probe into allegations of police brutality in their SAR. And the government comes under fire over its practice of separating children with COVID-19 from their parents. Xinhua News Agency has confirmed a reshuffle of top government officials in Hong Kong. The Secretary for Constitutional and Mainland Affairs, Patrick Nip, will be replaced by Immigration Director Eric Tsang. Mr Nip will head the Civil Service Bureau. The Undersecretary for Labour, Kasper Tsui, will become Secretary for Home Affairs. The Director of Electrical and Mechanical Services, Alfred Sitt, will head the IT Bureau, replacing Nicholas Yang. The Executive Director of Financial Services, Development Council, Christopher Hoy, will become the Secretary for Financial Services and the Treasury, replacing James Lau. The Chief Executive Carrie Lam says her first Cabinet reshuffle since 2017 has nothing to do with the recent row over the status and powers of the Beijing Liaison Office here. Speaking during news conference, Mrs Lam said the reshuffle wasn't something that could be arranged overnight. It has to do with what I have just outlined, that Hong Kong is in a very difficult situation now, apart from the pandemic. We are going into a major economic recession with a high unemployment and so on. So we really need to start uh, immediately to plan for Hong Kong's economic recovery. Civic Party leader Alvin Young says a huge cabinet reshuffle is meaningless, especially when ministers who should be held responsible for the extradition saga last year are still here. He says the cabinet change is just intended, intended to enhance the powers of the chief executive and those backing her. For any cabinet reshuffle, usually one would remove those most unpopular ones, those who should be held responsible for any political crisis. But right now, we do not see people like John Lee or Theresa Jang are being removed. So obviously, this reshuffle is nothing but a power game in the highest level. Human rights activists are calling for an independent inquiry into alleged police brutality in Hong Kong after a letter by United Nations investigators to Beijing detailed their concerns. Janice Wong reports. UN Special Rapporteurs told Beijing they had serious concerns about the harassment, intimidation and arrests of healthcare workers during Hong Kong's anti-government protests, as well as police delaying treatment for the injured. The letter is dated February the 19th but has just been made public. It asks how such arrests and detentions are consistent with Beijing's obligations under international human rights law. The letter says police asserted they had intelligence suggesting rioters were masquerading as first aiders. Benedict Rogers, chair of Hong Kong Watch, urged the international community to take the allegations very seriously and implement targeted sanctions on those responsible. Along with Helena Kennedy, director of the International Bar Association's Human Rights Institute, he called for an independent investigation. The Civil Rights Observer has submitted a report on alleged human rights violations by Hong Kong police to a British parliamentary investigation. The founder, Icarus Wong, said one first aid they spoke to said police threatened to throw him in the sea and said the SAR had what he called a human rights crisis. It's very common that the police, they verbally abuse the arrestee and threaten that they may kill them. We see the pattern. That's how the police show their power and to order the arrestee, including the first aider, to obey to their instructions. The government is being urged to review its practice of separating children with coronavirus from their healthy parents, saying this could cause trauma. 
Priscilla Loy, the chairperson of the Hong Kong Committee on Children's Rights, says medical staff treat children with COVID-19, but protective measures and gear help minimise the carers from being infected. She called on the government to look at those countries that allow parents to remain in contact with their sick children. Nurses and doctors, they are treating children and patients on a regular basis. Of course, there are risks, but their protective measures have helped minimising the effects that parents or carers being infected. I think those need to be explored seriously before we say no to everything, taking into consideration the negative adverse impact on children if being separated just like that. The hospital authority has introduced a new test for COVID-19, shortening the waiting time from up to six hours to under an hour. It said the new test was fully automatic, saving on manual input and processing time. But with just 2,500 test kits each week, it's only being used on suspected cases at hospital emergency wards. Dr Vivian Chuang is the chief manager of the authority. For those patients who presented to our emergency department and waiting for the test, they have to wait outside the emergency department. So we do not want them to wait for so long. So this rapid test can give a result within a short time. FTU lawmaker Alice Max says a report has been drafted on Democratic Party lawmaker Ted Hoy's phone-snatching case so that lawmakers can debate if he should be censured. In the incident two years ago, he grabbed a female government worker's phone and ran into the men's toilets. Ms Mack, who's chairing the investigation committee, or IC, said their progress was delayed by the vandalism of the LegCo complex last year, followed by the coronavirus outbreak. But she said the report should be ready before the end of this legislative year in summer. The IC has conducted our eighth meeting just now, and we have already prepared the first draft of the report. And thanks to the efforts of our secretariat and members, we expect that we will hand in the report to the council within the before the end of the term. And we will try to um, hand in the report as soon as possible so that the council will have sufficient time to arrange a debate on the central motion. And a local deputy to the National People's Congress said the liaison office could no longer sit idly by and had to speak out about disruption to Hong Kong's legislative affairs. Executive Councillor Ip Kwok Kim says the office had previously been restrained in commenting on domestic affairs but was forced to act over the delay in choosing a House committee chairperson and the impact of this on LegCo's operations. He told an RTHK radio show that the central government gave Hong Kong its high degree of autonomy and the liaison office was its representative in the SAR. And the Fire Services Department says it received more than 1,900 fire calls linked to protests last year. That's 5% of the total number of calls made, fire calls made to the department last year. The total number of calls for ambulances related to the protests topped 1,900. In its year-end review, the department noted the challenge it faced last year because of the protest movement. It said 440 fire calls and more than 7,000 ambulance calls couldn't be handled within its target response time because blocked roads and flash mob-style protests hampered its services. The department says it also expects this year to be difficult. Overseas, and President Trump says he'll temporarily halt immigration into the United States for foreign nationals seeking permanent residency, a move that he said would protect American jobs during the pandemic. At a White House briefing, Mr Trump said it would be wrong for Americans laid off during the pandemic to be replaced with immigrant labour flown in from abroad. This pause will be in effect for 60 days, after which the need for any extension or modification will be evaluated based on economic conditions at the time. This order will only apply to individuals seeking a permanent residency. In other words, those receiving green cards 
will not apply to those entering on a temporary basis. We want to protect our U.S. workers, and I think as we move forward, we will become more and more protective of them. The United Nations Secretary-General Antonio Guterres says as countries take extraordinary measures to support their economies during the coronavirus pandemic, they should ensure public funds are invested in the future and not the past. Here's the BBC's Matt McGrath. Speaking to mark the 50th anniversary of Earth Day, Mr Guterres underlined once again that the coronavirus pandemic is the biggest challenge the world has faced since the Second World War. But the unfolding environmental crisis is an even deeper emergency for the planet, the UN Secretary-General said. Rescue packages for ailing businesses should be tied to green jobs. Subsidies to fossil fuel companies must end, he said, and polluters must pay for their pollution. Just like deadly viruses, greenhouse gases do not respect national boundaries, he warned. The only way of beating either challenge is through sustained international cooperation. Financial markets and U.S. and European oil markets have been hit by further dramatic losses as the coronavirus causes a major drop in demand. The U.S. benchmark closed 43% down for June deliveries. Here's the BBC's Michelle Fleury. Hundreds of U.S. oil companies could go bankrupt. Donald Trump wants to save them, tweeting that he's instructed his administration to come up with a plan to make funds available to help America's beleaguered oil industry. The promise comes after U.S. crude oil prices crashed into negative territory. An epic collapse in demand caused by the coronavirus has led to storage problems. As the barrels of oil pile up, the world is running out of places to put them. Mr. Trump tried to downplay the historic price drop as a short-term problem, yet other oil contracts are signalling trouble as well. U.S. oil for June delivery dropped over 35%, and Brent crude, which is seen as the global benchmark for oil, fell below $20 a barrel. And Brent crude has now plunged more than 12% to below $17 a barrel today, dipping to 16 US dollars and 98 cents. West Texas Intermediate for June delivery is down about 5% at $11. The streaming giant Netflix has reached more than double its target for subscriber growth in the last quarter as global coronavirus lockdowns force increasing numbers of people to rely on online entertainment. Netflix acquired more than 15 million paid subscribers over the last three months, compared with its own target of 7 million. Eric Kohn, the executive editor of IndieWire, explains streaming's rising popularity. Streaming platforms are all we have, really. There are no movie theaters. There's nowhere else to experience moving images other than on your computer screen. So I think that streaming platforms have become the full-on opportunity for people to watch film and TV now. So it's, it's a historic high. And in the year up to March, Netflix also reported that its profits, it, I'm sorry, its profits doubled to just over 700 million US dollars. To currencies, and the euro is at one US dollar and eight cents. The greenback was at 107.61 yen, and the pound was worth nine Hong Kong dollars and 51 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index stood at 23,649. That's down 144 points from the previous close, and market turnover was $48.6 billion. And now with the sports, here's Adam Chung. European football's governing body, UEFA, is planning for play to restart across its leagues in June, but accepts that completing the current season will be impossible for some. All 55 national associations met in a video conference earlier. More from the BBC Simon Stone. 
A number of scenarios were put before the associations. All of them involved a June start to domestic leagues. All of them involved a 29th of August Champions League final in Istanbul. Now, whether we get there or not is clearly another matter because there are a lot of a lot of unknowns. But UEFA, for the first time, said that they would listen to leagues who, in special cases, in their words, asked or told them why their league should be ended. One league season that could be cancelled is the top flight in the Netherlands. After the country's prime minister announced a ban on all sporting events until the 1st of September, broadcaster Marcel van der Kran has more on what it means for football in the country. What people in Holland are now wondering about: who is going to be the champion? Is it Ajax? Is it AZ? Alkmaar? Both on top. Ajax at this moment on goal average. Is this going to be? A moment where we will see an enlargement of this Eredivisie next year to 20 clubs, or will there be some harsh, you know, measures towards the clubs who are now in the relegation zone? Cricket Australia CEO Kevin Roberts remains confident that the men's T20 World Cup, which is scheduled to start in October, will go ahead. The sport is in off-season in Australia, but Roberts is looking forward to it resuming later in the year when it's safe to do so. The bigger returns from the the broadcast rights around the event that are generated by the ICC are very important to all of our counterparts around the cricket world. So it's incumbent on us to do everything possible uh, to stage and host the T20 World Cup. Uh, but certainly, we'll be acting within government advice and guidelines. Rob Gronkowski is coming out of retirement to be reunited with former New England Patriots teammate Tom Brady. The star tight end quit the NFL after helping Brady and the Patriots win a record equaling sixth Super Bowl title by beating the Los Angeles Rams in the 2018-19 season. The Patriots missed him last season when they suffered a first-round playoff exit to the Tennessee Titans. Now he's agreed to join the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where Brady had signed last month. Gronkowski, who turns 31 next month, is a five-time Pro Bowl selection with 521 career receptions and 79 touchdowns. And that's your look at sports. And when the news, the top stories once again. The Carrie Lam administration reshuffles top officials, but a critic says it doesn't tackle underlying problems. Human rights activists call for an independent inquiry into allegations of police brutality in the SAR. And the government comes under fire over its practice of separating children with COVID-19 from their parents. The news from RTHK.
And welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday, the 22nd of April, is today's date. Many thanks to Phil for the morning brew. We do have a jam packed program today. Now, just after half past one, we're talking about money. That's right, and we're talking about financial planning and budgeting, and also financial spring cleaning and why that's important, especially during times like these. And we'll be chatting with Eleanor Coleman, who's the founder of the Financial Empowerment Group. Eleanor will be joining us uh, just after half past one. And after the two o'clock news, we will be celebrating World Earth Day. That's right. Happy World Earth Day. And we'll be doing that by chatting with Baz Franson, who is the founder of EcoMatcher. Um, uh, he's been on before to talk about his app, EcoMatcher. I don't know if you remember this, but it really is an app that allows you to plant and also to track and also to gift trees anywhere in the world. And uh, Baz will be joining us just after two o'clock to talk about his latest project, which is called Forests Club, um, a new initiative they're launching today. And uh, we want to hear from you also. So feel free to drop us an email. That's 123show at rta. 